booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. Two fatalities in Sunday afternoon's three-alarm fire in Canarsie, Brooklyn. One firefighter and a second person. Two top-ranking officials hold an early morning press conference following their meeting in Kiev with Ukrainian President Zelensky as they promised to reopen the U.S. Embassy. Russia's reportedly lost over 21,000 military personnel since the start of its invasion of Ukraine. Now in its third month. Republican Senator Ron Johnson blasts the Biden administration's plans to lift Title 42 in the Cats Roundtable right here on 77 WABC. We have his comments coming up. France has a new president. Emmanuel Macron has won a second term, although his margin of victory has narrowed. New York City has lost one of its bravest. 31-year-old Timothy Klein died Sunday while battling a house fire on Avenue N in Canarsie, Brooklyn. Investigators discovered a second fire victim Sunday night. Klein was with three other firefighters. The fire was actually out when the ceiling suddenly collapsed, with Klein becoming trapped. Here's New York City Mayor Eric Adams on the tragedy. We pray for him and his family and for the city. A great loss. Timothy lost his life doing the job that we ask of him every day and his fellow colleagues. The fire went to a third alarm. More than 100 firefighters battled the fire. At least five others were hurt. Klein is the 1,000th, 157th member of the FDNY to die in the line of duty. He was a member of Ladder 170 and a six and a half year veteran of the force. Klein of Queens is survived by his father, retired FDNY firefighter Patrick Klein, his mother and three sisters. U.S. officials visit Kiev. Of course, the Ukrainian capital secretary of state, Antony Blinken, and defense secretary Lloyd Austin met with Ukrainian President Zelensky Sunday, marking the highest U.S. delegation to visit war-torn Ukraine since the start of the February 24th invasion. They pledged to return an embassy to Ukraine and increase military presence for the country, with Russia's war moving east and south. U.S. diplomats will return to Lviv and then eventually Kiev. Earlier this morning, Blinken and Austin gave a press briefing about their meeting with Ukrainian President Zelensky. We had an opportunity to demonstrate directly our strong support, our strong ongoing support for the Ukrainian government and for the Ukrainian people. Um, this was, in our judgment, an important moment uh, to be there, uh, an important moment for, for Ukraine, uh, for the war, uh, an important moment to have face-to-face conversations in detail. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden today is expected to nominate Bridget Brink, the current ambassador to Slovakia, as Ukraine's ambassador. Russia has lost over 21,000 military personnel as the war on Ukraine enters its third month. As of today, the statistics are published by the Ukrainian land forces. The land forces have also dealt massive damage to Russia's military expert. Tom Nichols spoke to MSNBC. I don't know about the collapse of the Russian state, but it could be the collapse of the Putin regime. Um, No 
Russian leader has done this much damage to Russia in so short a time. Ukrainians destroyed 873 Russian tanks, 2,238 armored vehicles, 179 planes, 154 helicopters, and 408 artillery systems. Russian forces withdrew from the capital of Kiev due to heavy opposition, refocusing their efforts on the eastern Donbass region. Republican Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin in a 77 WABC exclusive interview during the Cats Roundtable accused President Biden of creating a disaster by throwing open the U.S.-Mexico border. Senator Johnson furthermore claims the Biden administration policies are aiding human traffickers. Here's Senator Johnson on the Cats Roundtable with 77 WABC owner John Katsimatidis. We had uh, testimony in our hearing that uh, talked about people selling children for $84 to form a family unit. But that is what this administration is allowing to happen. But he also accused Biden of creating a disaster by throwing open the U.S.-Mexico border. Senator Johnson furthermore claims the Biden administration policies are aiding those human traffickers, ripping the administration for the planned lifting of Title 42 on May 23rd, the Trump era policy allowing for the expulsion of over 2 million immigrants from the U.S. due to COVID-19 during the Trump era. Well, French President Emmanuel Macron has won re-election to another term. Macron defeated Marine Le Pen, his far-right challenger, by promising stability over extremism. Macron won a second term with 58.5% of the vote compared to Le Pen's 41.5%. Macron spoke to a crowd right in front of the Eiffel Tower, calling his victory symbolic of a more independent France and a stronger Europe. Every one of us will have a responsibility. Every one of us will need to get involved because each one of us is worth more than our individual selves. That's what makes the French people themselves. We are a unique force. Despite the victory, Macron's win was narrower than in 2017 when he was first elected, and that's when he won with a 66.1% margin compared to 33.9% for Le Pen. Here's your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Partly sunny skies today, our highs 57. Overnight, mostly cloudy, the low down 52 tomorrow. Mostly cloudy, we have a 50% chance of showers and a high of 61 right now. 47 degrees, mostly clear skies here in Manhattan. Well, revelations from White House visitor logs, they show that Hunter Biden, the president's son, visited the White House 19 times between 2009 and 2015, that while his father was vice president under President Barack Obama. Eric Sherwin, a former president of Hunter's now-dissolved firm Rosemont Seneca, met with Biden on November 17, 2010, just as Hunter was striking multi-million dollar deals abroad. Now that from the New York Post. The logs revealed that Sherwin made a total of 19 visits to the White House during Biden's vice presidency. Nine of those visits included meetings with then-VP Biden, members of his staff, and members of Joe Biden's staff. President Biden, though, has repeatedly denied knowing about anything Hunter Biden was doing. Hey, President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business Texas Senator Ted Cruz, a vocal critic of the Bidens, told the Post that the logs were the latest evidence of Hunter using his father to secure business deals. 
Senator Cruz called on the Bidens to be investigated for corruption. Hunter Biden is currently under federal investigation for alleged tax fraud, money laundering and illegal foreign lobbying by the Delaware Attorney General. And more on the Biden family this morning. The author of Red Handed, Peter Schweizer, says President Biden's secrecy over who he has met is hugely important related to his son's investigation. Schweizer, speaking on Fox during Sunday Morning Futures, said that Chinese officials visited the White House while Biden was vice president. This is a pattern when political figures are trying to hide who they're meeting with, especially when those officials are business partners or prospective business partners of their family members. Uh, That, to me, is hugely important evidence to show what's really going on in this scheme. Schweizer details Hunter Biden's business dealings in his book, including deals made with the Chinese Communist Party and oligarchs in Russian President Vladimir Putin's Russia. A member of President Biden's own party, Texas Democrat Henry Cuellar, is accusing the administration of bowing to immigration activists over lawmakers and border agents. Congressman Cuellar told Fox News Sunday that he has told the administration to leave Title 42 in place until the public health emergency from COVID-19 is lifted at the earliest. I was with a lot of people there, not only public officials, but other folks. And none of them said, yes, go ahead and lift Title 42. None of them said, open up the border. They're very concerned because they're on the front line. And they're the ones that I think we need to listen to. We need to listen to the border communities. The CDC plans to lift Title 42 on May 23rd. The Trump area public health policy allows for immigration agencies to instantly deport migrants crossing into the United States without hearing their asylum claims. A 22-year-old National Guard soldier is presumed drowned as he attempted to rescue two migrants attempting to cross the Rio Grande River on Friday. The Texas Military Department says that Specialist Bishop E. Evans was a field artillery man from Arlington, Texas. He'd served in the Guard for two years. Evans was assigned to Operation Lone Star, which is Texas Governor Greg Abbott's effort to combat the crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border when he went missing. Evans' body has not yet been recovered. A fighting words from national infectious disease expert Dr. Anthony Fauci. He told the Florida judge who struck down the national mask mandate for public transportation to stay in her own lane. Fauci said that U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimbas-Mazel says the CDC should make the decision and not a judge with no experience in public health. Weighing in New York gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin, he criticized the doctor's comments Sunday night on the Ingram angle, calling the COVID-19 advisor Lord Fauci. So the, the slippery slope here of where the uh, the Fauci version of how the future should go, uh, yeah, he's worried about a bad precedent. It's a precedent of one yeah. of checks and balances. And, and by the way, it might be other scientific opinions, other voices, uh, and ultimate power to the people of this country. In Judge Mazel's 59-page ruling a week ago Monday, she said the CDC had overstepped its authority, saying that the mask mandate was akin to detention and quarantine. Russian missiles continue to strike Ukraine. That's the sound of a missile hitting Odessa, killing eight people, including a three-month-old girl, according to Ukrainian President Zelensky. 
Speaking during a Sunday night address, Zelensky said Russia launched missiles from the Caption Sea region, wounding 18 people. Five additional missiles hit the city, hitting an apartment house in a high rise. President Zelensky vowed, though, to identify all those responsible for that strike. Another COVID-19 lockdown is looming in Beijing and other Chinese major cities. A COVID-19 outbreak may have been looming for about a week before being detected. The news sparked panic buying once again throughout Beijing. And testing of three and a half million residents in Beijing and surrounding cities is underway. The capital recorded 19 new local cases on Sunday, bringing the total in the city since April 22nd to 60 now, according to national health data released this morning. Again, Deb Valentine with your 77 WABC early news, 77 WABC time check coming up on 515. Justin Ellick is here with a look at sports. Morning, Justin. Good morning, Deb. Happy Monday. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. <clears throat> Let's kick it off with some scores around the NBA playoffs. The Bucks take a commanding 3-1 series lead over the Bulls with a 119-95 victory. The Nuggets... Finally get one in the win column against the Warriors with their 126-121 home win. The Heat beat the Hawks 110-86 to go up 3-1 in that series. And the Pelicans bested the Suns 118-103 to knock their series up at two games apiece. As for tonight, the Jazz and Mavericks are set to break a 2-2 series tie tonight at 9.30 p.m. in Dallas. The 76ers will try and send the Raptors home tonight at 8 p.m. in Philly. And our very own Brooklyn Nets will try and save New York the embarrassment for at least a couple more nights as they try and cut into a three-games-to-none deficit against the Celtics in Brooklyn at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. To the ice we go is just the Devils and Islanders were in action yesterday. The Devs couldn't quite figure out the Detroit Red Wings as they fall in Newark. Alex Nedeltkovich had 17 saves. Oscar Sundquist and Tyler Bertuzzi each registered a goal and an assist and wrapped to the 3 to nothing Detroit win. Up next for New Jersey is a trip to Ottawa to battle the Senators tomorrow night. As for the Islanders, they didn't make out much better at home against the Carolina Hurricanes. Max Domi scored the go-ahead goal early in the third frame, and Carolina would pull away from there, burying the Islanders by a score of 5-2. The Isles will head to D.C. next to face off with the Capitals tomorrow night. Now to the Diamond, where Garrett Colney and Yankees fans collectively exhaled after the pinstriped ace mowed down the Cleveland Guardians yesterday to the tune of nine punch-outs and just four hits in six innings and two-thirds, six and two-thirds innings, excuse me, of work. The offense had Coles back regardless, going off for 10 runs on 13 hits to take care of the three-game sweep of Cleveland. Anthony Rizzo continued to power this Yankees offense as he got things started in the first with this blast to right field. Driven to right field and deep, going back Mercado, turning, looking, into the short porch and the Yankees lead to zip. That call courtesy of Michael K and the Yes Network. Your final score is 10 to 2 bombers from the Bronx as the Yanks moving into into an off day here before welcoming in the Orioles tomorrow night. As for the Mets, they secured a series win over the Diamondbacks yesterday with a 6 to 2 victory. Tyler McGill continued to shine bright in orange and blue and JD Davis smashed this bomb to help the Metropolitans take care of business in Arizona. Drives this one out to right field. Smith goes back, and it's out of here. J.D. Davis with his first home run of the year, an opposite field shot. 
That call courtesy of SNY. The Mets are set to visit the Cardinals in St. Louis for a three-game set uh, set starting tonight at 7.45 p.m. Max Scherzer will get the ball for New York going up against the Cardinals. Miles Mikolas here with your early news sports update. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thanks, Justin. And your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Partly sunny today. Nice day or high 57. Overnight, clouding up the low 52. Mostly cloudy day tomorrow with a 50% chance of showers and a high of 61. Right now, 47 mostly clear skies. Frank Morano is standing by with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with report. The opening bell rings this morning with investors hoping for a turnaround after stocks closed sharply lower to end last week on Wall Street. The Dow Jones nosedived more than 900 points for its worst day since 2020. Rising bond rates, disappointing corporate earnings, and fears of aggressive Fed rate hikes all helped fuel Friday's sell-off at the closing bell. The Dow Jones lost 981 points, the S&P 500 fell 121 points, and the Nasdaq dropped 335 points. Twitter Inc. is in discussions to sell itself to Elon Musk and could finalize a deal as soon as this week. People familiar with the matter said a dramatic turn of events just 10 days after the billionaire unveiled his $43 billion bid for the social media company. Sources say the two sides met Sunday to discuss Mr. Musk's proposal and were making progress, though still had issues to hash out. There are no guarantees they will reach a deal. The Department of Justice is pledging to crack down on white-collar crime following a historic decline in law enforcement efforts during the Trump administration. In a series of speeches since November, top DOJ officials have warned white-collar defense attorneys that prosecutors will be less willing to offer leniency to repeat corporate offenders and more aggressive in investigating wrongdoing. The DOJ encouraging to advocates... Though many remain skeptical that the DOJ will put muscle and money behind its rhetoric. China is promoting coal-fired power as the ruling Communist Party tries to revive a sluggish economy. Prompting warnings, Beijing is setting back efforts to cut climate-changing carbon emissions from the biggest global source. Official plans call for boosting coal production capacity by 300 million tons this year. According to news reports, that's equal to 7% of last year's output of 4.1 billion tons, which was an increase of 5.7% over 2020. China is one of the biggest investors in wind and solar, but jittery leaders called for more coal-fired power after economic growth plunged last year and shortages caused blackouts and factory shutdowns. I'm Frank Morano with your business. Business report on 77 WABC. I'll be back at 1 a.m. on the other side of midnight. Thanks, Frank. Looking at futures this morning, all in the red. The Dow's down 329 points at 33,399. S&P 500 down 45 and a quarter points. The Nasdaq's fallen 128 and one quarter points. Gold down $16.50 an ounce at $1,917.80. Crude oil Below $100 a barrel this morning at $97.05. That is down $5.02. The WABC Early News. Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News this Monday morning. Gun suspects arrested by the NYPD's new anti-gun unit are back out onto the streets due to bail reform. The New York Post reports that four suspects, some with loaded weapons, were allowed to walk free hours following their arrests. New York City Mayor Adams has been adamant about getting guns off the streets, especially after the January 2022 fatal shooting of NYPD officers Wilbert Mora and Jason Rivera in Harlem. 
How are we removing thousands of guns off the street and they still find their way into New York City? In the hands of people who are killers. The NYPD says the new neighborhood safety teams made 25 gun arrests during the first three weeks since launching back in March. The New York Post, though, was only able to obtain information for about a dozen of those arrests. And of those 12, just one defendant is behind bars, meaning 11 were allowed to walk free. One of those sprung 23-year-old Tyquise Bell was released by Judge Papachan. A Bill de Blasio appointee, the former New York City mayor, because he was not bail eligible. Well, new figures show 59 people were killed in traffic deaths on New York City streets. This in the first three months of this year. That's a 44 percent jump over last year. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is vowing action. The mayor Saturday pledged $1 billion for safety measures designed to curb traffic deaths and enhance protections on New York City streets. With a largest amount, the historical investment in making our streets safe, and we are committing $904 million over the next five years to help build critical infrastructure. The funds will be spent actually over five years for more bike, bus and pedestrian lanes, reducing vehicles on certain roads. The city is on track as well to upgrade 10 miles of bike lanes this year and an additional 20 miles by the end of 2023. Statistics show crime is on the uptick in both the east and west side villages of Manhattan. In the West Villages, the 6th Precinct, major crimes are up 84% compared to last year. And that's the highest crime spike in Manhattan's 22 precincts. It's double the rate of the citywide crime spike, which is up 44%. Over in the 9th Precinct, which serves the East Village, the Bowery and NoHo, crime is up 54% compared to last year. Workers at the Sheen Brothers Deli on Avenue B spoke to ABC7 after repeated incidents of harassment and assault. We kill you anytime. I know what time you come in, what time you finish work. I call you in the police and I call many, many times. Police data shows increases in attacks and property theft. The NYPD says they are focusing patrols and public safety officers on commercial establishments and retail stores. Recidivists are blamed for the increase due to soft on crime policies and catch and release strategies out of D.A. Alvin Bragg's office. Well, more Biden ghost flights into Westchester County in the dead of night carrying migrants. A New York Post expose led to the flight's suspension last year, but they've resumed. That happened this month. On Friday, the Post watched a group of migrants disembark from an IRO Airways flight from Jacksonville, Florida to Westchester County Airport at 948 at night. Former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino spoke to Fox News last week about these flights. And it's just it's it's not only absurd, but it is a complete lack of respect for Americans, because now we've got people that they're labeling as refugees. They're not refugees. They're not asylum. It is really just people coming over the border illegally. And no matter where they go, they're going to get help from the United States government. The passengers were placed on two white charter buses from JNF tours. The New York Post followed one of those buses as it drove to destinations in the Bronx and Yonkers. At the first stop in Yonkers, one of the migrants entered what looked like a sprawling dorm complex near the grounds of Sisters of Charity, a Catholic aid center. 
Well, the New York Yankees have stepped up security. They did so over the weekend in the Bronx, a heightened security in response to fans throwing bottles, cans, and other debris at Cleveland Guardians outfielders on Saturday following the Yankees' walk-off victory. The uh, Bronx bleacher-famed creatures greeted the garden- Guardians. The, yes, the game's over, and immediately somebody chucked something at Oscar Mercado. Wisely, he didn't throw anything back at him, but they continued to throw stuff at him. And he's like, yeah, big guy, you want to talk tough from up there and throw stuff. What a, I mean, unbelievable. And the Yankees put that added security at the bottom of each island right field for Sunday's game without any major disruptions. I'm looking at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Partly sunny skies today are highs 57, the overnight low 52, mostly cloudy. 50% chance of rain tomorrow. Showers actually the high 61 with mostly cloudy skies. Right now, 47 degrees, mostly clear skies here in Manhattan. The longest-serving Republican U.S. Senator to date, Orrin G. Hatch, has died at the age of 88. Hatch's foundation announced his death but did not give a cause. The Utah politician was a staunch conservative on most economic and social issues. We must restore the culture of comedy, compromise, and mutual respect that used to exist here and still does in some respects. Hatch retired in 2019. He is survived by his wife and six children. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.